So I want to spend a few minutes today and do a deeper dive on understanding the story of Shaul and the Baal Asayif. The learning tonight, as always, should be a schos lilu nishma Yehuda. So to summarize what we learned so far, Shaul is terrified of the impending attack by the Plishtim. He tries to gain some guidance from Hashem, but there's no response. So instead, he turns to a Baal Asayif to help him raise the nishama of Shmuel, and in that way, get some guidance from Shmuel. And we'll see next time we learn the conversation that happens between Shaul and Shmuel. But just to point out two things that happen that are of significance, number one is that the woman cries out uh, when Shmuel is, uh, rises up, right? She cries out. And then when Shaul asks her what she saw, she says, I see great men, which the Gemara Chagiga told us that it's plural because she saw two men. She saw Shmuel, and Shmuel brought with him Maish Rabbeinu. So at this point, uh, after we finish now the first part of this story, and it's truly a fascinating story, I want to circle back now and gain some fundamental understandings of, in general, how Ivan Yadoni work, how were they performed, and was there anything to them? And then also, maybe in a part two, deal with some more specific questions of how could the Kayach of Oiv have brought back the holy, the, the pure and tar Nisham of Shmuel, and second of all, how could Shaul, who was a tzaddik, utilized Oiv, especially when he made a goal of banishing them from Eretz Yisrael? Now all of a sudden he's turning to them. And we can't understand that it was really a, something that was modern and a real Hayrasha, because the, we saw the passing of Yom that Shaul was held accountable for doing so. So it was, clearly was not the correct thing. And finally, why Shmuel would have brought, of all the people, why he would have brought Moshe Rabbeinu up with him. And I know some of the uh, topics we're going to discuss today I did touch on very briefly, but I did it on a basic level, and now I want to sort of give it its due and spend proper time on understanding it. Many of the Mepharshim will see their understanding of Oivin Yedoni is tied into our Pesukim, and they explain what happened in our story, and so that's why I wanted to first do the Pesukim, and now when we circle back and learn the Mepharshim, we'll know what they're referring to in our Perak. So first, let's start again something we did once before, but let's go back to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the Mishnah in Sanhedrin that explains how Oivin Yedoni works. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the Sandaf Samachay Amad Aleph says, the Mishnah says, Oiv is that someone raises the voice of someone who died through the armpit. Yedoni, which is divination, is fortune-telling, telling the future, is taking the bone of an animal called Yedua, putting it in your mouth, and then a voice would come out from the bone and be able to predict the future. The Radak explains that the sorcerer would the the mechashef the uh, um, bala bal or balas oiv would wave their hand or others say burn kataires and the rambam says that they would wave a wand made out of hadas the uh, the um, what would happen is that a shade would then come and speak in a soft voice and that was how it was performed the gemara also there again in sanhedrin goes into more detail of two other types of performing oiv is number one, male b'schurai. So Rashi understands male b'schurai means that it's referring to zachras, to the male aver. That somehow the sorcerer would raise a neshama in the vicinity of the male aver. That was how it was performed. Tysus doesn't like this shot because Tysus says, you see here that the sorcerer, the sorceresses or magicians were women. So they didn't have zachras. So how could they have performed it? So Tysus therefore says, schurai is not referring to an organ in a person's body. It's just that was the name of the keshav. Was called Malabeshura, that was the name. Nish, the second um, type of necromancy, Oiv, that's discussed there in the Gemara is Nishabagul Gailas, which literally means asking from a skull. The 
Rashi says that the sorcerer would communicate with the skull of a dead body. The Radak says that he would use some sort of avne shayam or crystal ball, and in that way, a voice would come out and communicate. But we see here, between the crystal ball, the Rambam's mentioning of the Hadas wand, that a lot of the cultural uh, associations that we associate with magic, wands and crystal balls, apparently have a source here in Chazal. So that's the basics of how it worked. The more, I, I think, interesting question and much more controversial question is, was it really effective? Was there real Kayach Hatoma? Was there some effectiveness that actually happened? Was there real communication going on? Or was it completely a fraud, a hoax? Like nowadays, we have mediums who claim to be able to communicate with the dead, and clearly they are frauds. So there's a real um, wide view of, um, there's a spectrum of Pshatim in the Mepharshim, going back to the Ga'inim. And uh, so let's start, the Radak brings down a couple of these. Let's start first with probably the most extreme view, is that of Rav Shmuel ben Chafni. Shmuel ben Chafni says that Oiv is no different than the mediums of today. It's a complete hoax. They would use um, certain deceptions and uh, to be able to perform this and convince their quote-unquote customers that they were actually conversing with the dead. How did they get a voice to speak? So they would have an accomplice in a back room, hidden from view, and that accomplice would speak, and the customer would think that they were conversing with someone from the grave. Why does the woman then scream in surprise if it was all a fake? So he says it was an act. She was part of the production. She screamed as if she was actually rising, raising up the Nisham of Shmuel, but it didn't happen. How was she able to pull this off on Shaul? So he, he understands that she recognized Shaul, knew that Shaul is afraid of the impending battle with the Plishtim. It was also common knowledge that David was anointed to be the next king. So using that information, she was able to put on a production that convinced Shaul. The Radak, who brings this down, as well as the Abarbanel, have a problem with this, with this way of understanding. Because let's put aside for the minute the fact that Chazal seemed to feel that Oiv, there was something to it. But how could Shaul, who was clearly a very intelligent person, be fooled by something that was a complete fraud? And also, there's certain things that are said between the conversation between Shaul and Shmuel in the next few psukim that there's no way that they would have known that level of detail that happened privately between Shmuel and Shaul. So therefore, they don't agree with the pshad of Rav Shmuel ben Chafni. The next pshad brought down by the Radak is from the Goinim. This is Rav Sadi Goin and Rav Haigoin. They say that in general, Oiv was a fraud. It wasn't real. There was no real kayach to it. And in fact, the woman was intending to deceive Shaul, but miraculously, Hashem brought, actually brought Shmuel back to inform Shaul of what was going to happen at the, after this battle. And that's why she screamed. She screamed because it actually worked. She wasn't expecting it to work, but when it worked, it surprised her in a quarter off guard. The redacting of Abarbanel have a problem with this. First of all, you have the same issue of if it really was fake and fraudulent, then how could someone as intelligent as Shaul have tried to rely on it? And second of all, they ask a bigger question is if Hashem intends now to communicate with Shaul about the battle, so Shaul tried all these kaya chatara, right, dreams, or uh, vitomim, neviim, Hashem doesn't want to communicate through that way, but he wants to communicate through kaya chatoma. If all the ways to pick, you're going to pick kaya chatoma to communicate with Shaul, so they don't agree with the pshat of the goinim either, and also they ask, if you look at the Pesach that says that the woman screamed, when she screams, she says, that her surprise is that it's really Shaul sitting in front of her. It doesn't seem that she was surprised that the, that the magic worked or that the production worked. The next sheet that we come to is the Ralbag. 
And the Rambam, like Simcha Schoenfeld, likes to tell me they were kindred spirits when it comes to these type of things. And I'm not really going to get into, I know the Rambam, there's a lot of discussion, the Rambam's general understanding of Nisim and his Pachlaikas with the Ramban, of whether they were just part of creation that was created during Sheshis Mebereshis, or whether they were actual um, changes to nature that happened subsequently. It's really beyond the scope. But uh, as far as it relates to here, they explain that it wasn't a real communication with the dead. It wasn't an actual voice that happened. But the Rabag and the Rambam, uh, the Rambam understand that it was sort of through what we call Kaya Chadimian. So think for a minute when a person is dreaming, right? So when you dream, you hear things in your dream, you see things in your dream, you're not actually seeing or hearing them. You're just experiencing it through what's called kayachadimian, through your imagination. That's how they understand oiv worked. The practitioner and the customer would um, meditate and get into a deep meditative state and through their imagination be able to have like a, almost a dream state while they were awake. And that's, they, they, that, that would also explain why Chazal say that the, what I'm calling here the practitioner, the uh, person, or the, the sorceress or practitioner, they see but don't hear. And the customer see, hears but doesn't see. Why? Because that's what they're focusing on. The practitioner is looking for a vision. So their kayachadimian is focusing on seeing something. The customer wants to converse. They want to hear communication. And so therefore they hear things in their imagination because that's what they're focusing on. And that would also explain why bystanders and people standing on the side experience nothing because they're not meditating. They're not entering this quote-unquote dream state. Yabar Benel understands the Ralbag a little differently. He says that it's a hallucination, that it really feels and seems um, to actually be happening, but it's a complete hallucination. However, the Yabar Benel doesn't like this shot because, first of all, again, going back to some of the Chazal that felt that Oiv was real and had real Kayach, um, the, um, the Gemara certainly seems to suggest that, that there was something to this. Um, and um, uh, second of all, the um, um, how could Shaul, Shaul was otherwise a healthy, intelligent person, where does he come to suddenly experience a hallucination? And also, why does the Psukim seem to say that there's a real conversation going on if it's all happening in Shaul's imagination, right? We'll see in the next few Psukim that there's a conversation between Shaul and Shmuel. If this is all hallucination, says the Abarbanel, it doesn't make sense that the Pasuk would have presented it as a real conversation. The Kliyakar defends the Ralbag and the Rambam from the Abarbanel, says that they don't mean that Shal was hallucinating, but rather there was a real ability to communicate and get real messages, not using the sense of sound, but through, again, this Kayachadimian. And again, that's why the way I would uh, compare it to is to a dream, just like we saw that Shal tried to communicate through dreams, right, through uh, to Hashem, get a message from Hashem through dreams. So that's how I would compare it to. You're not actually using your sense of sound and your sense of vision, but your mind is working and your mind is uh, experiencing things that when you wake up, it feels like you actually saw and you actually heard. The Rambam in, in his Hilchas Avaitis Kaychavim in Perakit Aleph says a little bit more strongly that all types of witchcraft and omens mentioned in the Torah and in the Gemara are complete fraudulent. It's not true. And that's why a yid has no place in it, because there is no real kayach to it. The controversy comes, not just from that statement, but the Vilna Goyen, and obviously there's a lot of, 
of Torah, and there's a lot to go into on this, but the Vilna Goyen specifically has a very sharp critique for the Rambam for making this statement, and the Vilna Goyen says, or uh, attributes it to the Rambam's influence by studying philosophers. The Rambam studied Plato and Aristotle, and they obviously did not take the words of Chazal literally, and so the Vilna Goyen attributes the Rambam's I would say mistake, if I can use that term, but the Rambam's understanding to that influence of these philosophers. And the Vilna Gaon brings down to support his many stories in the Gemara that tell of magic and omens uh, working, and so therefore he um, um, disagrees sharply with the, uh, with the um, understanding of the Rambam. The Abar Benel personally understands that the way Oiv worked is that it was based on Shadim, Shadim having the ability to tell the future, and the sorcerer, the practitioner, would draw the shade into a body, and then it would appear to rise up from the ground and give over information, but it was all working through a shade. In fact, um, in this instance, the shade was speaking. The Pasuk says that, uh, attributes it to Shmuel, because it was residing, the shade was residing and coming out of Shmuel's body. But certainly, um, it wasn't Shmuel. It, it sounded like Shmuel, and that's why Shaul believed that he was talking to Shmuel, but he was actually, according to the Abba understanding, conversing with a shade. So if that's the case, then why do you even need to use the body of Shmuel, right? If it's just using a shade, so use anybody. See, the Abba says that the accuracy of the information, right, how accurate would the shade be, depended on the person whose body you were using. If you use the body of a tzaddik, who I guess was more connected to uh, Hashem, and what's going on in Shemayim, they would have a better, more accurate ability to predict the future. And so that's why they were utilizing Shmuel's body, uh, but it was not actually the Nisham of Shmuel that was speaking according to the Abarbanel. The Radvaz talks about some sort of Kayach Ra. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I guess in a strict uh, literal translation, you would say some sort of evil power, but some Kayach Ra, that there's a Kayach Ra in the world that tries to enter into dead bodies, and then, once they're there, they'll be able to tell the future. And he, and he ties this into the fact that the voice is coming, look where it's coming from, it's coming from the male Zachras, or it's coming from the armpit, areas where, I guess, this Koyach Ra was, was able to, 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 um, um, to exist. And typically, because this is all obviously coming from some sort of Koyach so therefore the body, the feet rose first, because that's the opposite of Kedusha. Kedusha, right, a person, his head is to Shemayim. So therefore, a person who is uh, a tzaddik, his head rises first. A rasha who's running after Gashmias, his important, the important of him is his feet, because he's running, he's connected to the ground, so that's why a rasha's feet would rise first. So a tzaddik would come up head first, a rasha would rise feet first. When this Baalas Oiv begins to bring forth this Koyach Ra, and trying to get it to enter Shmuel's body, Hashem basically jumps in, and he allows Shmuel's own neshama to enter the body. So instead of Shmuel coming up feet first, because there's some kayach ra over here, Shmuel came up head first. That's what made the woman scream, and that's also why she says, She knew that she was looking at someone great, because the fact that Shmuel came up head first means it wasn't a kayach ra anymore entering Shmuel's body, it was actually Shmuel's neshama that entered his body. Sefer HaKedah understands that Shaul didn't really want to ask this Baalas Oiv to communicate with Shmuel. He only wanted her to raise her up. And he, he is medayikits from the Pasuk because the Pasuk says, Kasamani, Kasami na li ba'oiv ali li. 
It doesn't say communicate for me. It says just use your abilities to vahalili raise up. But that the Sefer Akedah understands Shaul intended to communicate with Shmuel himself. The Malbim argues, the Malbim says just the opposite. Shaul never intended to communicate with Oiv. He actually wanted to distance himself from directly uh, participating in it. And so he wanted her to communicate with Shmuel on his behalf. Shmuel, Shaul didn't want to tell the woman straight out who he wanted to raise up because she would have laughed at him. So therefore he says, just Valili Shmuel, right? He says, just raise up for me. Um, Shmuel, but he doesn't is say uh, uh, Shmuel Halili rather. So he says, raise up for me Shmuel. He doesn't uh, specify that he's talking about Shmuel Hanavi, hopefully thinking that she would think he's referring to another person named Shmuel. However, when she saw the Navi Shmuel come up, that's what caused her to scream and be shocked because she realized that this is Shmuel Hanavi, the person who's sitting in front of me referred to Shmuel by his first name, that obviously had to be the king, the Melech Shol, who would be the only person to have the audacity to refer to Shmuel by his first name. So hopefully with that, I know it's a little bit all over the place, but hopefully with that we have some basic understanding of how Oivin Yedoni was performed and many of the uh, Mepharshim, how they understand our story, um, whether it was effective, whether it really happened, it didn't happen, and how they understand the Pesukim.